0: Ahoy, mates, and welcome to This Week in Nickelodeon History. I'm your captain, Captain Eric, and welcome aboard as we cover more Nickelodeon anniversaries in between the times of June 5th and June 11th. And on this week's episode, we are starting all the way with a show that I know is going to sound like a noggin show, and I said I wasn't going to be covering any noggin shows on this season of uh, the This Week in Nickelodeon History, but this one actually counts because it did have its premiere episode 23 years ago. On June 6th, 1999, The Fred on Your Head Show. The show starred a little green guy known as Fred who was voiced by Doug Preece and was a variety show in which this little green guy would hop around on top of the heads of different kids all around the world and ask them what kind of noggin programs they would like to watch and then, of course, probably have a few little extra moments and tidbits here and there. The show only ran for two seasons up until September 9th, 2001. Eighteen years ago, on June 8th, 2004, Hey Arnold finished its run on Nickelodeon. Created by Craig Bartlett, Hey Arnold ran for five seasons of 100 episodes, also including a theatrical movie and a TV movie that premiered years later on November 24th, 2017. Now, originally, the final episode produced of Hey Arnold was a two-part episode known as The Journal. The journal ends on a cliffhanger of Arnold figuring out that his parents may still be alive over in the uh, far off country of San Lorenzo, lost in the jungles, and and he might have to, to go out and find them. The original plan was that this cliffhanger was going to air and lead into a theatrical movie that Craig Bartlett and team were working with Paramount and Nickelodeon. Now, at the same time, they were also working on a TV movie called Arnold Saves the Neighborhood, which that might sound familiar because if you have seen Hey Arnold, the movie, that is the TV movie that you're watching. What ended up happening was Paramount and Nickelodeon and all those higher-ups were convinced that Hey Arnold was going to be as successful in movie theaters as the Rugrats because up to that point, they've had nothing but success with the Nicktoons movies. And, you know, hey... I I understand that. So they convinced all those involved that the TV movie was then going to be upgraded to a theatrical film and release as Hey Arnold, the movie. And hey, it was going to be a big success. And then you can do The Jungle movie as a sequel to that. And we'll do that in theaters as well. And that'll be your big finale. Because the entire time, the end of Hey Arnold was supposed to lead from this cliffhanger to a big adventure in San Lorenzo. And unfortunately... I think they knew that wasn't the plan because the journal didn't air as the final episode of Hey Arnold. It was the final episode produced and it was meant to be the final episode aired. But for some reason, Nickelodeon kept back four other episodes of season four to air after the journal's premiere on November 11th, 2002. Um, I, I think it's a big shame because unfortunately, the Hey Arnold movie didn't do that well in theaters. As far as I know... It may have been at least somewhat of a success, but nowhere near the success they were looking for. Um, just looking at the budget here, I mean, the movie was made for at-tops $4 million, and you know, who knows how much afterwards they then spent on marketing, and maybe that's where they feel the movie was a loss, because the box office for the Hey Arnold movie was only $15.2 million. And I unfortunately did not see the movie in theaters. I, I was a massive fan of Hey Arnold, and and I sing its praises... And I will continue to sing its praises to the day I die. And it must have been the marketing that just completely just went by me because I do not remember the Hey Arnold movie being advertised as in theaters. I remember it being advertised beforehand, but I just don't remember coming across a poster or a a TV ad that says it's in theaters now. And it's crazy. You'd know I was watching Nickelodeon at the time. I talk about it enough here 20 years later, so... It's bonkers, but I missed it on the big screen and have then seen it uh, a subsequent amount of times on home video and in streaming. By the way, if you're a Hey Arnold movie fan, highly recommend picking up the recently released Blu-ray. I plan on doing a review of sorts on the YouTube channel regarding all of the the Nicktoon films on Blu-ray because all of them have been restored beyond belief, at least in a way that I haven't seen in in a few years. But back to the show... um, Things were quiet after the show ended for a while. Um, we're, we're talking, you know, almost another 10, 11, 12 years would go by before we would even start to hear rumblings that the Jungle movie was again a possibility. I'm surprised it took that long, given the fact that you have a show here that made you 100 episodes, a theatrical movie, you just produce a, a TV movie. And Nickelodeon knew that the Jungle movie was... Uh, a project that they were working on and something that one of their episodes teased as a, as a cliffhanger, even if it wasn't the final episode that aired, it, it was an episode that aired nonetheless, so you had kids see that journal episode that, that was promoted as a big deal. Like, hey, Arnold is going to learn about his parents. They heavily promoted that episode. All these kids watched it. And, you know, one of the biggest mysteries in Nickelodeon history up to that point was in regards to Arnold's parents. We, you know, we knew a little bit about them from the Parents' Day episode, but this was just as much information that we could have wanted, and for it to end on a cliffhanger like that, and for Nickelodeon to just go so long without saying, yeah, let's just go back and dip in and do another TV movie. Year after year, they would make original movies for Nickelodeon, and I never understood why they wouldn't just dip back into... Nicktoons and other shows just to make more more stuff for your channel that ultimately is what you want right you want to make these movies you want to draw big numbers and yes they would eventually find their way to this point of making the jungle movie it's just a shame that it took this long to get there I I, my heart bleeds for the amount of fans who didn't get to see that moment happen didn't get to see Arnold finally finally reach his parents and I know it's it's cartoons and it's For a lot of people, it's a medium that they they don't find the same emotional effect as as some others can. But uh, what I like about cartoons and animation is that it's a very easy way to tell stories about the world and present the world for kids. Uh, And not all of them have to do that. Not every cartoon, but especially with what Hey Arnold did and, and the generation that it had an effect on. Um, I've talked about this before, and I've never really talked about it here on this season of This Week in Nickelodeon History, but I have a lot of love and admiration for Hey Arnold. SpongeBob SquarePants may be my favorite cartoon character, but my favorite animation show from beginning to end is Hey Arnold. Bar none, no question, that's it. That's it, Your Honor, That's that's my answer. Um... One day, I would absolutely love to give a TED Talk on how important of an animation property Hey Arnold was to its time. And and honestly, still is. It's a show that you could rerun from beginning to end, and even if it's dated in the sense that, okay, not every kid in the show is walking around with a cell phone in their hands, there are genuine moments characters and storylines in this show that would be greatly beneficial to be seen by an entirely new generation of kids. I, I cannot think of any other shows out there on television that I could say would be the Hey Arnold of this generation. And it's not just in style of animation and in writing, just in the fact that Hey Arnold presented so many traumatic things that kids could potentially run into in their life and didn't talk down to them about it, but talked directly to them about it and presented them in an easy to digest way that I, I and I've said this before, I have to imagine that the generation that grew up with Hey Arnold and watched it, even if they are unaware of it. I have to imagine that there's at least one thing about that show that stuck with them in the the back of their mind and has helped them in a moment in their life. It doesn't even have to be anything that you can concretely point to in the sense of somebody saving one's life after seeing the Heimlich maneuver from SpongeBob SquarePants. I'm just talking about presenting even ideas that may have, you know, for the first time as a kid, understanding it in the back of your head and even just that thought digesting it over time. I mean, just the fact that almost every adult that had a name value in the show, you can point to an episode of theirs that they had where they were the vocal character and they were shown to have just as many flaws and issues and obstacles to overcome as any of the other kids did. You you have a kid's show where there are episodes that can just be handed off from any of the kid protagonists over to one of the myriad of adults that are in Arnold's life. And you end up finding out the same kind of struggles and obstacles that the kids are constantly overcoming. The the adults are constantly overcoming. All the adults have their own levels of anxiety and issues and, and everybody gets their time to shine. Everybody's even if you find a character that has one episode to their name, they they spent that time in that episode building something about that character that you didn't know about and and maybe appreciated them on the on the other side for it. Uh I just can only praise this show for as long as I'm able to speak on this planet, but the animation and the work that was left behind by Craig and his team is a testament. And speaks for itself uh, I don't I don't need to make a podcast about how amazing hey Arnold is for you to just watch it and and see for yourself just how amazing and impactful that show is and just know that like there's there's not many other shows out there that are constantly tackling you know issues in children's lives like you know um, neglect and poverty and uh, mental abuse and you know, you're you're noticing characters that are extremely flawed, but are able to overcome those flaws. And I got to be honest with you, that speaks a lot to the captain here. I, I do consider myself an extremely, extremely flawed person. I'm far from perfect. and I'm harder on myself more than anyone else has to be. You can anybody could walk into my life and point out every, flaw that they notice or every flaw that they think about and even if they're right on the money i can tell you well you're you're right about that 100 percent, but i am 150 percent, even more harder than that on myself so knowing how flawed that i i feel when i see a show that can take characters like oscar oscar kakashka and and you have this guy who is an absolute loser of a human being But then he's given episodes where, you know, yes, if you only see these little snapshot moments of his life, you go, wow, what a loser. But then when you're actually given an episode of the guy and you and you actually get to follow him and see how his mind works and you're able to realize, no, he's not a loser. He's he's a sweet man who just lost his way and is just only waiting for luck to help him bring uh, another good day again. I, I don't know. I could like I said. The the amount of Hey Arnold I could talk about is is a TED talk. I I, I want to break down each character. Not I don't want to talk about Hey Arnold for uh for five hours on stage. Just a concise little spiel. But just to just to actually open the eyes of people a little bit more to show like I this this piece of animation in the nineties was more diverse and representative than it than anybody was asking for at the time. And I don't think anybody even, you know, really gives it its just due as to what it was accomplishing for a children's show in the 90s. It, it just, uh, I could sing its praises. Craig, the crew of Hey Arnold, Sneoosh, if you ever worked on an episode of Hey Arnold, you have my undying love. I love each and every one of you, and, and I do one day hope to adapt uh, a podcast of sorts like I'm Ready With Hey Arnold, I would love to dive down episode by episode, but one day I I will have a Hey Arnold project under my belt. And um, even if even if Craig doesn't want to uh, do that kind of podcast long term, I have to imagine the stories of Hey Arnold from behind the scenes. There's just a a myriad of of stories that, that have to be told. Um, I, I have to know just how certain episodes, how the plots came about, how certain characters—like, how did you come up with Pigeon Man or the Sewer King? Those one-off characters you would see once and and then never see again. Uh, but yeah, one day that that'll happen. That's not anything that that Captain Eric's promising in the in the foreseeable future, unless certain things change. Uh, but that that's just how much uh, I'm passionate about Hey Arnold, how much I love about it. And if you have never watched Hey Arnold, I, I really sincerely hope that something I've said today at least intrigues you enough to check it out. It is a show that is worth watching from beginning to end, all 100 episodes. it It's a quick watch. But if you're not sure what episodes you should watch, then I would definitely hold off to the end of the episode because on this episode of This Week in Nickelodeon History, I'm going to give you my current top five episodes ...of Hey Arnold. I say current because I feel like I've given a top five of my episodes before of Hey Arnold... ...or at least maybe a a couple favorites, and it just changes over time. I I had trouble even coming up with this top five, so... uh, ...if you would at least like, like to know a little bit more about Hey Arnold, what my top five episodes are currently... ...just stay tuned. Only a few days later, 18 years ago, on June 11th, 2004... ...would we see the final episode of another beloved Nicktoon... The Wild Thornberries, created by Arlene Klasky, Gabar Chupo, Stephen Pepoon, David Silverman, and Stephen Sustarsik. The show ran for five seasons of 91 episodes, uh, nine episodes short of the 100 mark. I, I can't believe they wouldn't allow them to get there, but ah. I would be fine seeing another nine episodes of the Wild Thornberries just just to get there, the 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 season to one hundred. That's what you should call it. Make it a nice little little special on Nickelodeon. Uh, but the Wild Thornberries started out all the way on September first, nineteen ninety eight. Was yet another hit out of the Klasky Chupo Animation Factory. Boy, they were just cranking out Nicktoons all throughout the 90s. I call them a factory, not in any negative connotation, all in, in any positive connotation. They were just, th- look at this, throughout the 90s. The Rugrats, Out Real Monsters, The Wild Thornberries, Rocket Power, as told by Ginger. And before that, they were running The Simpsons in their early production and also Duckman for the USA Network. If you are an adult, if you are of age, I highly recommend Checking out Duckman. It's it's one of my like favorite adult animated cartoons. Um, it really has stood the testament of time and, and is just as good as it was almost 30 years ago. Uh, but back to the Wild Thornberries. For those that don't know, the show actually started out starring Nigel Thornberry. If you ever really wondered why Nigel Thornberry is, is sometimes even more promoted and used than his daughter, who is the main character of the show other than the fact that Nigel is just one of the most beloved Nick characters of all time, there, there was a reason why he just kind of clicked in a way for this show, for him to reach this level of popularity, and it's because he just was originally intended to be the main character. Nigel Thornberry's Animal World was a pitch for an adult animated sitcom that was pitched for Fox Animation, but was later rejected and was then picked up by Nickelodeon under its own animation studio, retooling the show to focus on Nigel's daughter, Eliza, and then, of course, creating the entire gimmick of the show with Eliza given the powers to talk to literally any animal on the planet. Now, with that power at hand, you really wouldn't need to take this show anywhere other than the suburbs, the city, there are plenty of animals to be found, but they took this one step above and included the original concept for Nigel Thornberry, and the fact that Nigel does have his own nature documentary series that is recorded by his wife, Marianne, and they just travel the world in probably the greatest Humvee that has ever been put together in animation history, but the, the entire Thornberries in this Humvee are traveling around the world therefore Eliza is not just talking to animals she's literally conversating with animals of every kind all around the world in every country and it's sincerely an interesting show there is no way that you watch the wild thornberries and you don't pick up any little piece of information from the countries they're traveling through or the animals Eliza is talking to there's there's a lot of information to be found and this may not be the funniest Nicktoon, especially throughout the 90s, but there was a certain level of action and adventure that the Wild Thornberrys added to its formula that it was also able to find in its its humor as well. There, there was a lot of humor, but it certainly was just not meant as like, a, this is a big comedy show, hit after hit after hit of jokes. Uh, also among the family, I forgot to mention, of course, how could I forget Darwin? Darwin is a chimpanzee and also Eliza's best friend, uh, one of the animals she meets along the way. And I just have to shout out the absolute wonderful uh, voice of Darwin, Tom Kane. They, they give Darwin, this chimpanzee, a, a kind of proper British accent. But speaking of British accents, my favorite voice actor part of this series is, of course, Nigel himself, voiced by the one, the only, the iconic Tim Curry, that is right, Tim Curry, known for his roles in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, Muppet Treasure Island, the original It miniseries playing Pennywise, and of course one of my favorite movies of all time, 1985's Clue, yes, based off of the board game, let me just tell you, please do not scoff at Clue the movie just because it is based off of Clue the board game. Watch that movie, you have no idea the kind of ride you are in for, and especially the comedic timing and delivery of Tim Curry's Wadsworth. Absolutely incredible. There is no way you watch Clue and that you don't become a Tim Curry fan. That's just fact at this point. But of course, if you haven't seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show, that is also a Halloween favorite of mine. But for as much of a fan of Tim Curry as I am, my favorite role of his will forever and always be Nigel Thornberry. I, I can't really put my finger on it, like what a part of it exactly works. But the way he was written, the way he was voiced, Nigel Thornberry to me came off as one of the most trustworthy adults in the history of animation. Uh, he was presented in his world essentially like the Steve Irwin. Of our world, not necessarily in terms of that level of of energy, because Nigel was certainly not somebody who was going to give off that Steve Irwin level of energy on camera. But you could tell that he cared about the animals he was talking about. You could tell he absolutely cared for his family and that he was just a trustworthy father who knew when to have fun and who also knew when it was time to sit his daughters down and have that conversation uh, but you know what? Look at I'm doing all this talking over Nigel. He's not even the main character. This is this is what I'm talking about. Uh, but Eliza is great too. I really love Eliza, and of course the the ability that she brings to the table. She doesn't misuse. She's not somebody looking to to gain for herself. Although she can certainly have her selfish moments. She's a kid. She's allowed to. But she was given this power and has done wonders by it, and has helped out a lot of animals. And if you're anybody who loves animals, you love conservation and you haven't really dived into this show, I would I would give it a watch. It's absolutely worth watching from beginning to end. And also spawned two theatrical movies, the first being the Wild Thornberrys movie, which premiered on December 20th, 2002, and then the crossover film Rugrats Go Wild on June 13th, 2003. This was a movie in which the Rugrats met up with the wild thornberries, because, you know, the animation style is practically the same. They're both made by the same mom and dad. You might as well just cross those two properties together. Uh, That's actually something, you know, given the fact that I just mentioned it's June 13th, we'll be talking about extensively next week, so I'll save the Rugrats Go Wild talk until next episode. Fifteen years ago, on June 8th, 2007, we had the final episode of Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. Created by Scott Fellows, the show ran for three seasons of 54 episodes. The final episode of the show, Field Trips, Permission Slips, Signs, and Weasels, was presented as a TV movie of sorts and was a double-length episode of the show, and saw the cast of characters leave the school for the first time on a field trip to a local museum. Uh, I really like Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide, and although I say that the Adventures of Pete and Pete is the most Nickelodeon-esque live-action show they've ever made, I would say Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide, if not a close second, could also be said to be the most Nickelodeon-esque live-action show they have. And when I say that, what I'm talking about is there is a there is a level of energy. There is a level of energy. That a lot of the '90s Nicktoons gave off that no other network were producing at the time. Later on, that level of energy would find itself in other in other channels, but that energy though only found itself to me in a few live action shows, and and mainly it was Ned's the Classified School Survival Guide and the Adventures of Pete and Pete. Where it's not just your standard sitcom and you're just changing out the characters, the setting, and it's still an audience laughing at those jokes. It's a complete identity for itself that was completely original, at least compared to other live-action shows. Honestly, I think when a live-action show can present itself more like a cartoon, and in this way, the way the side characters were presented and the storylines were presented, for all intent purposes, this was just a live-action cartoon. And it also helps that at least there was a wonderful guest appearance by Cosmo and Wanda of the Fairly Odd Parents in, in a, one episode of the show. Uh, I can't recommend going down this path enough. I mean, 54 episodes is really not that much. So do yourself a favor the next time you're bored and maybe binge a few episodes of Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. I, I promise you're really not going to regret it. Also 15 years ago and one day later... On June 9th, 2007, the Nickelodeon TV movie Shredderman Rules premiered, well, on Nickelodeon. Directed by Savage Steve Holland, the movie also starred Devin Werkheiser, who played the role of Ned on Ned's Declassified. There was a bit of a Ned weekend here, or uh, more of a Devin weekend. But uh, even though I tuned in for the Ned's Declassified finale, I didn't tune in a day later for Shredderman Rules. A lot of those original movies, just in general, even if it was Disney or uh, Cartoon Network, unless it was a TV movie that was based off of a property that I already watched, I would rarely move my schedule around to make that time. So nine times out of ten, I would end up missing these premieres. And hey, if I caught them on a rerun, great. But... I have never seen Shredderman Rules, but as always, if there is anything I talk about that I say I haven't seen, there's somebody out there who really, you know, stands behind it, let me know what you think, and I might check it out. Fourteen years later, on June 6th, 2008, the Naked Brothers Band TV movie Polar Bears premiered on Nickelodeon. Eleven years ago, on June 11th, 2011, that's a lot of 11s. Maybe that's a lucky thing, I don't know, somebody... somebody Make a wish right now. Hopefully, it comes true. 11 years ago, June 11th, 2011, I Party with Victorious premiered on Nickelodeon. This was a massive crossover TV movie between the TV shows iCarly and Victorious, which honestly is not that hard of an endeavor given the fact that both shows were created by the same individual. And because of that, there are so many in universe references to one another iCarly websites popping up in the background of so many different shows and Hollywood Arts being referenced in other shows and all of those Schneider's Bakery shows have been all confirmed to take place in the same universe so in concept... It's not that hard to think about, but we had never had a crossover of this level until now. So to get the entire cast of iCarly, mixing it up with the entire cast of Victorious was a a pretty big deal. And for all accounts was a massive success for Nickelodeon, drawing a total of 7.3 million viewers, making iParty with Victorious the top rated cable program for the week of its premiere. That is a pretty big deal given the fact that the crossover aired during the 2011 NBA Finals and the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals. Although I got to imagine that the amount of people struggling with what to watch, either I Party with Victorious or either the NBA or NHL Finals, have to be a very small number of people. I'm not saying that they don't exist. If you're listening out there and you are somebody really struggling with what to watch, my heart bleeds for you. I get it. I've been there. I I, I can't speak of what, but I've been there between two different uh, television uh, products that I wanted to view. But yeah, I, I enjoy the movie. I've seen it a few times. I don't know that I necessarily enjoy it more than any other single episode of either iCarly or Victorious, but... In the pantheon of crossover movies and episodes, this this stands up there with some of the better ones. I'm not going to say it is the best, but it does stand up there with some of the best. Also 11 years ago, on June 11th, 2011, was also the finale of Legends of Bikini Bottom, a series of Spongebob episodes all having to deal with the supernatural happenings around Bikini Bottom. The episodes aired from January 28th all the way until June 11th, 2011. Six episodes of Legends of Bikini Bottom were produced. Ten years ago, on June 11th, 2012, the revival of Figure It Out premiered on Nickelodeon, created by Kevin Kay and Magda Leolis. The show ran for six seasons of 233 episodes. That's in total of the entire Figure It Out brand with the revival only running for about a year and ending its run on July 16th, 2013. Figure It Out is a classic Nickelodeon format that gives us a panel of a random assortment of Nickelodeon mainstays, live-action stars, usually a mix of kids and adults that are well-known from other Nickelodeon properties. Four of these panelists, uh, using yes-or-no questions to figure out the achievement or skill whatever kid is on this episode to figure it out so the show would start with the kid letting the audience know what the skill or or achievement is Um, for example the show might start out something like this hi my name is Eric and I host a podcast about Spongebob Squarepants now no need to roast me in any of the comments or anything like I get it that's not really a skill or anything that would be mentioned on figure it out I'm not gonna be on any show for that I'm just using it as an example But the point of the game show would be that skill, whatever the the kid's skill that's being brought up, on a board where all the words are blocked out, and whenever any of the words are uttered by any of the panelists, they will be unlocked on the board. So the whole point is that you're trying to figure it out. Boom, you got it. So one at a time, the panelists get to ask yes or no questions to the kid, And like I said, once a word is uttered, it doesn't matter if it was a part of a question or anything. Once a word is uttered, it is unlocked on the board. There are also different helps and hints that they could give to the panelists. Sometimes it's as easy as two other helpers coming out on the stage to give charades. And other times it's bringing a train of of an item out to the panelists to kind of help them in the right direction to get whatever the skill or achievement is. Um, On top of this, there is also the secret slime action. It's kind of the whole slime element to figure it out. But every single round of uh, Figure It Out has a secret slime action that only the audience and the viewers get to know what it is. Now, what this is could be something so simple as touching your ear or very specific as owning a blue puppy, which then, of course, if you have Steve Burns... ...as a panelist means he's immediately going to get slimed as being a host of Blue's Clues. So when the round starts, if you happen to do the secret slime action or say what the action is... ...or if you just happen to be one of the unlucky ones in the crosshairs of their writing... ...you will get slimed a massive, like, alarm goes off... And all the panelists cover their heads because they're not sure who's getting it dumped on. And and like I said, sometimes it's very obvious on who it's going to be. And then other times you don't really know. That's kind of the fun of it. Like, whoever touches their nose first. It, it's completely random. And, and the panelists don't get to know what that is. So it's a fun time. What's not a fun time is sometimes they do bring on kids who unfortunately might not have that wonderful of a skill or an achievement. And it might come off a bit weird at... It just sometimes it wouldn't even be anything you would want to tell people. I, I can't give you an example. I don't remember. I just remember as a kid there being certain skills of like what that's like. The kid would say it before the round would start, and I would go like, "What? That's that that got you on television?" I I have achievements bigger than that that are not hosting a podcast about SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, see, I told you I am hard on myself. Uh, now you're witnessing it firsthand. But watching a show like this is hard to recommend unless you, you grew up with a lot of those panelists at the time. Um unless you, hey, really just want to watch some old Nickelodeon game shows. I think figure it out is worth looking up. Uh, but certainly if you're gonna gonna dive down any hole for figure it out, Danny Tamborelli, one of the best panelists to ever be on that show, absolutely knew what to say, when to say it, and just overall made the show better anytime he was on. So Uh, If you can watch any of the episodes with Danny or check out the episode, I don't know how many he was on, but there is an episode with Steve Burns. And I believe the secret slime action is something involving blue or talking to uh, an imaginary puppy or a cartoon puppy. Like they made the slime action on purpose to get him slimed. And and he's a great sport and and a wonderful person. So his episode is absolutely worth checking out. Massive shout out to original uh, Figure It Out host Summer Sanders. I had a massive crush on her as a kid. Uh, I, I can't explain it. She was probably most of the reason why I watched Figure It Out when I was younger. Uh, but even the newer host, uh, big big fan of his, Jeff Supton, who is also pick boy on a bunch of Nickelodeon properties, uh, just a, a great guy, a great presence, and has also hosted another Nickelodeon game show that ended in 2011, Brain Surge. Nine years ago, on June 8th, 2013, we had the premiere of Sam and Cat, another show out of the Schneider Bakery. It only ran for one season of 35 episodes. This is one of the most interesting shows in Nickelodeon's library. Uh, being a spinoff and sequel to both iCarly and Victorious, who we just mentioned earlier had their uh, their big crossover episode, would be The beginning to this eventual crossover show involving Sam Puckett and Kat Valentine from iCarly and Victorious, respectively. The show takes iCarly's Sam and brings her over to California, where she meets up with Kat Valentine, ends up moving in with her, where they start their own babysitting service called Sam and Kat's Super Rockin' Fun Time Babysitting Service. Uh, Throughout the show, a few other characters from both iCarly and Victorious make their way uh, through the Salmon Cat set, but unfortunately, Victoria Justice of Victorious fame did not show up, as well as Miranda Cosgrove of iCarly, both main characters from both shows, didn't show up for Salmon Cat, but most of the other cast did. Uh, The unfortunate thing about Salmon Cat is it was a massive success for Nickelodeon, but Things kind of took a nosedive for the show, while at the same time it was being produced, Ariana Grande's music career was skyrocketing, at the same time that Jeanette McCurdy was finding issues behind the scenes working on the show. It kind of tailspinned on itself before ending its run on July 17th, 2014, a little over a year later. Now, it's understandable why the show kind of came and went. They wanted to keep both the... The popularity of iCarly and Victorious on the show and and Jeanette McCurdy and Ariana Grande at the time that they were making the show, like working on the beginning of the show, things kind of seemed like, all right, hey, we can stick on Nickelodeon for a bit more. But once that music career took off for Ariana, Nickelodeon was in the rearview mirror for her. And I I honestly don't blame her. She took off at an unprecedented level for a Nickelodeon star uh, in terms of the music industry and And for Jeanette, you know, you're you're on set with somebody who is now going to be worth more. and And beyond just money, there was a lot of other issues, of course, specifically involving one Dan Schneider, who I have mentioned on the show before, but i I just choose not to mention just because of all of the smoke that deals with that bakery. i I just don't even want to open it up at this moment in time, maybe one day. But in this moment in time, i'm I'm not going to. While Ariana's music career would continue to to flourish, uh, Jeanette McCurdy eventually would get out of acting. Uh, in early 2020, she presented a one-woman tragic comedy show called I'm Glad My Mom Died in various theaters throughout L.A. and New York before the coronavirus took over the uh, the entire world. She would eventually resume performing that one woman show in September 2021 in Los Angeles. Before announcing this year in April that she would eventually release a memoir titled after her one woman show in August of this year, August 2022. I am more than interested to see what she has to say in that memoir. Uh, Jeanette has said she really only got into acting to help provide for her family. And, and once her mother had passed, she really didn't see herself returning to acting and has since said that she has been ashamed of some of the roles that she played in the past. I I hope that just with many other um, actors who are closely associated with their characters on television, I, I hope one day Jeanette finds peace with the character of Sam Puckett because I really love iCarly and the cast of characters they had. There was a beautiful friendship between Carly and Sam and and for how, um, and as I mentioned before, flawed Sam could be. You were also able to see the positives she brought out in the people around her and in those circumstances they found themselves in. I, I love the character and I know that working on that show just... Probably is not all all daisies and and flowers and wonderful times. But uh, as far as the show that was presented to me, the final product on the screen, I really loved those characters and especially loved Sam. She was my favorite character on iCarly. So my my heart bleeds for Jeanette Um, if she chooses to never get in front of a camera again. My blessings for her. She should never have to act ever again in her life if she doesn't want to. I, I certainly would love to see Sam show up on the iCarly revival. I got to imagine in the way that that show is being made, it is a different experience on set than the last time iCarly was being produced. So it has to be a much more safer experience for her. I, I would love to see Sam at least just show up once to say hi, give the hugs, give the nostalgic rounds, and and just maybe even throw another uh, another of quarters at somebody who really deserves it. Uh, maybe a certain uh, Good Burger manager, uh, Mr. Bailey, he he might deserve a, a nice little sack of quarters. Uh, but all all of my uh, my love out there to Ariana Grande, to Jeanette McCurdy. I I didn't really watch Sam and Cat. I I tried. I was a fan of iCarly. I was a fan of Victorious. But there was just certain decisions about the show that just it didn't gel with me in the same way those other shows did and i i just kind of left it behind especially knowing eventually what was going on behind the scenes and how just things seemed off over there i just didn't want to watch it my my enjoyment of those shows ended with their respective finales uh well then i carly and its revival has been wonderful if you haven't watched that i i do highly recommend it Another Schneider Bakery production finished its run three years ago on June 8th, 2019. I'm talking about the show Game Shakers, created by Schneider. The show ran for three seasons of 61 episodes, certainly not on the level of all of the other Schneider Bakery productions. What was cool about this show is it brought coding to kids, it brought coding to girls, and it brought Kel Mitchell back to Nickelodeon. Uh, I I absolutely love that. Those first two, that, I mean, that last one is more for me specifically. If I'm gonna watch Game Shakers, I'm I'm watching for Kel. I'm, I'm that demographic they're looking for. But for the for the first two aspects, there is nothing I love more than when I see kids pick up something like coding, like something that at least in our society is beyond a useful tool. It's a tool that can be used not only for for business specific purposes but can also be used for entertainment purposes which is what the show is about it was about creating video games it brought the idea of coding and you can make your own stuff to an entire generation of kids here and and who knows there there's got to be at least a handful of kids who watched game shakers who are then going to go on to work in the video game industry because of it and that to me is an absolutely wonderful thing and if you're one of those creators I can't wait to see what you make from your inspiration. It doesn't have to be anything associated with Game Shakers, but hey, if you eventually get to make Gears of War 10 and you're like, yeah, I was a kid watching Nickelodeon and I caught this show Game Shakers and it, it made me think about making games myself and, and here I am, Gears of War 10. I don't know why that's the voice I decided for that person, but uh yeah. Game Shakers, Kel Mitchell. I, I didn't watch the show as much as I talked about watching Kel, but like I said, if I'm gonna watch it at all, it, it's for that man in general. Big shout out to Kel Mitchell, uh, just a class act, wonderful human being, and shout out to all those kids as well who who on that show. They're they're the real stars of Game Shakers. Not just Kel there, but but he's certainly a massive driving force for for my attention. Also finishing its run on June 8th, 2019, the Nickelodeon show Cousins for Life. Created by Kevin Coplow and Heath Seifert, the show ran for one season of 20 episodes. And last but not least on today's episode, we are talking about a show that premiered three years ago on June 10th, 2019, the Nickelodeon revival of Are You Smarter Than a 5th Grader? The game show that wants to prove that there are at least one or two schools out there teaching some of these subjects to kids. I gotta tell you, for as much as I love this show, they have had questions on this program that they will try to gaslight you and and make you believe like, oh yeah, viewers, you definitely learned this in 5th grade, and, and you're just getting stumped by 5th graders, look at you, you dummy. Uh, no, there are certainly questions on there and parts of subjects that they're trying to impress you that maybe a handful of schools in in the country are teaching their 5th graders, and they bring on simple-minded adults to try to stump you, but let's be real. A good chunk of those questions are not things being taught to 5th graders. I'm sorry. I get it. The point is that they're trying to stump you on stuff that they're they're trying to gaslight you and tell you that you were taught in the 5th grade and that you just, ha, you forgot about this knowledge, and look at these 5th graders are smarter than you, ha-ha. Uh, no, I'm not gonna buy it. Don't buy it whatsoever. You're not gonna be able to gaslight me. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, yes, I remember 100% of everything that I was taught in fifth grade, but I am such a sponge for knowledge that there are just certain subjects and questions that even if I'm on the show and you're gonna ask me, I'm gonna tell you, hey man, we never covered this. You, you might have fifth graders in front of me that are, are being taught about this, but I wasn't, so that's that's the unfair advantage. Uh but hey, yeah, I love the show. I love the concept. The revival was hosted by John Cena. If you could uh if you could actually see him on the screen, whereas the original show was presented by Jeff Foxworthy. Not necessarily the the best guy you're gonna get to host a show on Nickelodeon and to get kids watch, but John Cena a, a much cleaner choice for a for a kid crowd. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is is this week in Nickelodeon history but that is not all for our show we of course have my top 5 for the show my top 5 Hey Arnold episodes this this was actually a tough list to put together because I love almost every episode of Hey Arnold. In fact, it would be easier for me to give you top five episodes of Hey Arnold I don't necessarily like, and I'm just going to save that for the next time I have to talk about Hey Arnold, because I already created this list. I'm not going to just stop recording to create another one, because I just thought of it right now. A big shout out to this uh, first episode here, which may or may not be number six, I don't know, but it just got booted out of my top five, and I just love the episode, but the episode Mr. Hwin Goes Country. Uh, not only do I love the story of a, of a simple man who has a skill that he doesn't necessarily want to take advantage of monetarily, even though he can. But I really love the song that they play in the, the show, The Simple Things, which was performed by country singer Randy Travis performing Mr. Quinn's singing voice and also playing a, a parody of himself in a way, Travis Randall. In the episode, I I love that. I love the connection there. I love that they just kind of changed his name up and swapped it. It, It's super simple and effective. Uh, But I love the story. I love the song. I recommend watching that episode. But I'm not putting that on my top five for as much as I could talk about it. You can already see this is a Hey Arnold fan here. I, I have a lot to talk about when it comes to each of these episodes. Number five on my list season three's Harold the Butcher. Episode 41B, Harold the Butcher takes the school bully, Harold, who over the course of Hey Arnold, evolved from just a simple one note, I'm going to beat you up because you're weird kind of bully, to a guy who you saw was misunderstood, had a massive heart. And, and just wanted to find a place to belong in this world and, and wanted to find something to love. He had no direction. He had no passion other than for being an obstacle for other characters. And then eventually finds himself in a situation where after shoplifting a ham, ends up working at the local deli. But finds himself, even though he's being forced to do work at first that he, he doesn't think he's going to like, ends up finding a lot to love with this deli and finds himself a passion. This is what this show excelled in. Taking characters who on the surface are are not necessarily likable characters. But then giving you enough time and giving them enough purpose to make them likable. And And Harold, once he finds his passion, is certainly endearing and you're cheering for him. Especially by the end when Mr. Green, the owner of the deli, is done with him. Doesn't want this kid in his shop anymore and Harold is like vying. ...to want to work there more. He loves being a butcher and, and just seeing that kind of relationship that he has with Mr. Green. It's an endearing episode. Number four is a very early on season one episode of Hey Arnold... ...and I would bet my money would be one of the most memorable episodes of the entire show... ...and one that most people would remember. I'm talking about Stoop Kid, the second half of the third episode of Hey Arnold... Stoop Kid starts a long and storied tradition of Arnold finding his way to meeting up these urban legend adults and figures, these these one-off characters who are lost from the world. They're just hidden away, and they, they just feel like they're kind of revving their tires in the mud of life. Stoop Kid, for example, is seemingly an adult, or at least uh, an 18, 19-year-old, who just lives on a stoop in the city. Uh, A stoop given that, you know, front part of a building, you know, you got, like, a little patio in front of your door and then the steps down. That's, That's the stoop. And that's all he stays on and apparently has ever stayed on since he was a kid. He is known as the stoop kid because he doesn't get off of the stoop whatsoever. Apparently he has never once stepped off of the stoop. And Arnold being the optimistic, caring character that he is when he finds these these people who just feel lost and afraid and and Arnold wants to be that guiding light to help them find their way. He does this time and time again where he just meets up with characters that everybody else is like, what are you doing, Arnold? Stay away from that guy. Stop talking to him. But it's always Arnold who can see through any of the scary bits of a person from their outside appearance and notice that they are a human being on the inside. And like with every human being, what what are we really looking for here on this planet? We're looking to be heard from. And, and Arnold does what everybody else is afraid to do and talks to these people. He talks to Stoop Kid. He learns more about Stoop Kid. And through that learning is then able to find an effective way to help him in his problem. Which in the end is is a powerful message that Stoop Kid, even though he chooses to stay on his stoop full time. Now that he's overcome that fear, he is able to then get off of his stoop at any point he wants. And harass people in the city, wherever else he goes, just as much as he can harass people from the safety of his stoop. It's a beautiful episode, and, and like I said, it starts a long and storied history of Arnold doing this, and each and every time it's wonderful, but there's, there's no forgetting that that first time. You, know, you can't forget your first. Uh, next up, number three, the uh, first episode of season three that I mentioned earlier with Harold the Butcher. The first part of that episode is known as Helga Blabs It All, one of my favorite episodes of the show. Helga Blabs It All takes Helga at the uh, dentist's office on essentially laughing gas, where she comes clean about her undying love for Arnold, and because she is being so open about it to the dentist and all these people, decides that she needs to tell Arnold herself, and calls up Arnold and leaves one of the most embarrassing voicemails you could possibly leave. For then, when she wakes up out of her trance, realizes what she has just said on that answering machine and goes on a quest to find that tape and destroy it before Arnold or anyone else could hear of it. And boy, is it a ride of an episode. I'm not going to spoil anything. It's one of those episodes you need to go view for yourself. Number two is another season one episode, the second half of the 13th episode of Hey Arnold, Weezin' Ed. Now, some of my favorite episodes of Hey Arnold are usually the ones that have to deal with the supernatural or the spooky elements of the world. You would be surprised how many more episodes of Hey Arnold have to deal with that than just certain Halloween ones. There's The Haunted Train. There's uh, the episode The Headless Cabbie over from Season 4. So there's a ton of episodes that like to spook you out. And one of the best ones is The Urban Legend of Weezen Ed. The urban legend about Wiesened and his treasure over at Elk Island, enough to get the entire group of kids over to the island to try to go through their their various cave systems before making the discovery of a lifetime, let me tell you. As the uh, B-plot of this story has uh, two crooks also entering the island from the other side, having an entire scheme of counterfeiting pennies. These two losers... Going through all this effort of chiseling out little faces of Abraham Lincoln on little pieces of copper. Who's going to waste time counterfeiting pennies? Like, I knew that as a kid. I was watching this, and I thought that was the funniest thing. Like, wow, these guys are wasting their time. That's a lot of pennies to get anywhere in life. But uh, I cannot recommend uh, Weez and Ed enough, especially out of those, like, urban myth spooky episodes. It's one of the best ones. And my number one episode of all time, I have talked about this episode in nauseam. It is a season one episode, the 11th episode of season one, Arnold's Christmas. I watch this every year. Uh, I've watched this uh, multiple times every Christmas season. I'm not saying like every day, but I, I depending on if I'm showing an extra person here or there, or putting it on, because it's a very quick 22-minute episode of Hey Arnold. It doesn't overstay its welcome but it's one of my absolute favorite Christmas stories in the world. And because of that, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the story of Arnold's Christmas beat by beat, because I think above all else, it's worth watching if you've never watched it. But the overall story of Arnold's Christmas is that Arnold is tasked with being the secret Santa for one of the boarders in his grandparents' boarding house. This border being Mr. Huynh, who I mentioned earlier. Well, Mr. Huynh, being a very simple man, only desires one thing when it comes to Christmas, and that is to be reunited with his long-lost daughter, who he ended up giving away during wartime of his country, had to save her life to make sure she could get out of a dangerous situation. And once Arnold hears of this news, just knows that there is not an item on this planet that I could purchase... That is going to bring this man more happiness than reuniting him with his daughter. To the fact that he wasn't even getting a like secondary gift for this guy. He was going to walk up to him on Christmas empty-handed to tell him, Hey, this is what I tried doing and unfortunately I wasn't able to do it. And of course you could imagine how things go. And regardless of that, even when you know the outcome, there is just so much to be found when it comes to this Christmas special. In total, for about four to five years of my life, I found myself in a teaching role for different groups of kids, ranging from preschool all the way to the fifth grade. And on three different occasions, three different times during Christmas, I was able to show Arnold's Christmas to kids who had never even watched Hey Arnold before. And one of my proudest moments of, of this time was seeing preschoolers you know not pay attention to the special at first but once the special hits the wartime part where Mr. Wynn is going over the story of how he he lost contact with his daughter every single kid's attention was on the screen from that moment to the end of the story there's just there's something special when you're an adult and yeah when you can show your kids something you like and they also like it there's something to be proud of that but I don't know, there's something different when you're presenting to an entire group, and, and on three different occasions, on three different occasions, not just all the preschoolers, the most proudest moment was were the, those preschoolers, the other two moments were with, uh, with older kids, but still, around fifth grade, never watching an episode of Hey Arnold, hey guys, let's watch this Christmas special, maybe it's just the season, and uh, they're willing to watch anything, but... It was always nice to see this special have a similar effect on other kids who had never even watched Hey Arnold, and it was just more validation to know that there was something really special here. It was a special truly about the Christmas season. It's about the people who are around, the people that we can still hold and be grateful for, but also it is about giving it's about being happy about what you're giving to somebody else more than what they're giving to you and i know that that same sentiment has been said time and time again in many other christmas specials but there's something about this one given the stakes at hand that just set it above all else it sets it above all other christmas specials in my opinion it's not only one of the greatest Christmas specials to to ever be made, but in my opinion, it is the greatest Hey Arnold special to ever be made. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that is the Captain Eric Top 5 of the week, and that is also the end of our show. Uh, it's been a wonderful time together. Thank you for coming aboard. You can reach Captain Eric at Nickelodeon History at gmail.com. If you have any Nickelodeon questions or Captain Eric questions you want me to read on the air, you can send them there. You can follow me on Twitter at I'm Ready Podcast or on Instagram at SpongeBob Podcast. Please check out my other podcast, I'm Ready a SpongePod SquareCast dropping every Wednesday on every major podcast platform. And don't forget to subscribe to the Captain Eric YouTube channel, where you can also hit that bell for notifications whenever the Captain puts something out. You can also purchase new and updated merchandise of the Captain at the Redbubble link, either in the podcast description or in the link from any of my socials. More shirts are incoming, I promise. Uh, Anything that comes in through my projects go directly back into my projects, and it is always appreciated. As always, everybody, please stay safe, be kind to one another, and come aboard next week to another episode of This Week in Nickelodeon History.